Running down dogma with his karma. This is the Drew Marshall Show. But I remember the scenario. The scenario was this. I wanted to play real music during my show. And this was like the bumper. This is like the the soft blow. This is like real music, band, Doobie Brothers. But they talked about Jesus. Yeah, they got Jesus the name in there. So I played it. And now I play nothing but real music on the show. (laughs) Because it's all spiritual anyways, man. It reaches the core better than anything else. You just got all hippie there. You just, you just, this is what you said. You're like one of those... I'm spiritual. I'm not religious people. You're one of them, aren't you? Hey. Eh? Well, Jesus was too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this he didn't like the our religious next people. guest is gonna spank you. No, now I sound like Diane Cannon. Remember that message she left me? <laughs> yes. Diane Cannon phones me. She's an actress, Hollywood lady. She said, "I heard about what you're what you're doing. Just this whole I'm not sure there's a God thing, and I just want to know if it's for real or if it's for ratings. Because if it's for real, I want to spank you. You can leave your pants on, but I want to spank you. <laughs> Thanks, Diane Cannon. Nice, Lily and Daniel. There's a segue. Lily and Daniel, author of Tired of Apologizing for a Church I Don't Belong to, Spirituality Without Stereotypes, Religion Without Ranting, is the longest title of any book ever published." And she joins us right now. The website is lilyanddaniel.com. Hello, Lily and Daniel. Hey, I have no desire to spank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank like, you. Like zero. No, nothing. Zero. All right. All right. Less than zero. All right. Fine. Hey, listen, thanks for jumping in. Uh, folks uh, who were expecting Sheldon Kennedy to be on the show right now, uh, he's just gone MIA, so his people are trying to find him. And so we reached out to our very good friend, Lillian Daniel. Lillian, you've been on the show a couple of times. Uh, one time you were even here in the studio. Do you remember that? I do. I do. I had a great time with you guys. Except there's, you know, there's something about the way I am that just grinds on your nerves a little bit, right? I mean, I'm like, you know, I use that, uh, I'm spiritual, but not really. I've used that. And I'm, I'm not exactly, like, I use politically incorrect terms. I'm not exactly women's liber. I'm... I'm I'm a misogynistic jerk is what I'm saying, and I think I drive you nuts. Well, you just remind me a lot of junior high school boys I used to know. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Nice. <sighs> well, it's time to get it. It's time. I remember, uh, who was the guy that used to run the uh, HuffPost religion? Uh, uh, Rauschbaum. Yeah, Mike, my, my no, what was his name? Paul Rauschenbusch. Rauschenbusch. Paul yeah. Rauschenbusch. Yeah, yeah, Paul Rauschenbusch. Paul suggested you come on my show, but he said to me, you need to be intelligent with her. She is a very intelligent, sharp lady. Don't be an idiot with Lily and Daniel. How am I doing? I'm still, well, I'm still not going to spank you. So. <laughs> uh, that's the best quote ever. Lilyanddaniel.com. Tired of apologizing for a church I don't belong to, uh, spirituality without stereotypes, religion without ranting. I'm assuming you've had one of these conversations, or you've been, maybe at some point in your life, you've, you've eavesdropped in on one of these conversations where someone has said, you know, I just want to apologize for the Crusades 
and mm -hmm. I want to apologize for all the presidents who've said they're Christians and they've done things that are not Christian-y, or I want to apologize. You know what I mean? You've, you've been part of that, right? Absolutely. I mean, the truth is, for, for a long time, I was that person, constantly apologizing for the Church, thinking if I apologize enough for the Crusades, people will realize we're not all like that, right? Mm -hmm. And I sort of had an epiphany when I was in Marshalls, and I was standing in line at Marshalls, and I'm talking to this guy, and he's, um, and he's wearing a turban that indicates he's of the Sikh religion. And we're not talking about religion, but at the end of the conversation, we have this sort of pretty personal conversation, and I say, I'll pray for you. And he just pulls away from me like I had threatened him with a gun or something. And I found myself, you know, wanting to apologize for Christianity and explain I wasn't that kind of Christian and all that stuff. And I end up telling him all that, and he's like, wow, you're responsible for all that? <laughs> you know, and it was sort of an epiphany of, of how, in a way, those conversations just weren't going anywhere. So do you, I mean, you're, the first time you came out with this, you know, the I'm spiritual but not religious pushback was, I don't know, how many years ago was that? And I would imagine that this book came as a result of the conversations, a lot of the conversations you had with that book. Is that true? Exactly. I mean, every every book is sort of what I learned after writing the last book. So, you know, as soon as you publish a book, people engage you in conversation. You're thinking, oh, wait, I'm not sure if I still agree with what I just said or I would add something else. So I wrote this book called When Spiritual But Not Religious Is Not Enough. And it was arguing for why religious community matters and sort of pushing back on, you know, the people who say, oh, I consider myself to be a Buddhist because I read one book on Buddhism, and, you know, now my response is, does any Buddhist think you're a Buddhist, right? And, uh, and so I was sort of talking about the value of religious community. And what people pushed back with me on that last book was, you know, well, uh, religion has so much to apologize for, all the wars in history, et cetera, et cetera. And for a while, I was that person who was saying, I know, I know, the witch trials, I'm so sorry. And finally, I started to get irritated, and I thought, if we talked about any other group of people, the way we were talking about religious people um, in this way, you know, you'd be called a bigot. Somebody would say, stop stereotyping. Mm. So that's kind of what I'm saying is, you know, uh, no, don't ask me to apologize for the Crusades. I didn't do them. Is this what your progressive Christianity has, has like, in other words, you kind of, you were bound to kind of go this direction, right? Or do, or do you think people are surprised? that? Be, first of all, let's talk about the term progressive Christian. What does that even mean? Because people describe you as a progressive Christian minister. What does that mean? You like, you have gays in your church. Or, is that like, what does that mean? Theologically, what does it mean? You know, I don't know, because I don't claim that label for myself. I think it's hard enough to fly under the banner of Christian, and I just kind of leave it at that. But I am um, a member of a denomination that is considered a liberal, progressive, whatever term you want to use, uh, denomination, the United Church of Christ. That's probably, you know, pretty similar to the United Church of Canada or, or Anglicanism, you know. And yes, we'll do your gay wedding, and you can have female ministers. <laughs> right. Okay, so if, yeah. any, if anybody should be apologizing for everything that the Christians have had a, played a role in, the bad stuff over the... It should be you! Well, exactly. That's our thinking, right? But but actually, you know, a lot of the times when we're apologizing for present-day Christians, it's not us. And so I started to really sort of dig into that, too. Like, when I'm apologizing for all the Christians who won't do your gay wedding, but I will do your gay wedding, 
is that really an apology or is that just self-aggrandizing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that people sniff that out and they say they're just kind of appalled either way. Either they think (laughs) you're apologizing for something you did do, in which case they're appalled, or they recognize that you're self-serving and doing sort of a pretend apology for other people and hoping they'll think you're nicer. You know, it's like, oh, great, I look so good because I didn't participate in the crusade. It's a low bar. <laughs> it really is a low bar. Okay, there's a church near here that I I don't go to church, but this is the church that I go to when I do go to a church, and it's called The Meeting House. And the reason I go to The Meeting House is because there's a guy that preaches there. His name's Bruxy Cavey. He wrote a book called The End of Religion, um, and I like the way he talks. So he's a good communicator. He's a fast communicator. I can't handle slow communicators. And he's an intelligent dude, and I think theologically I kind of bend his way more than many others. But they, their slogan is, a church for people who aren't into church. Does that make you vomit? Yes and no. Um, I mean, I know what they're getting at, and I think there's a lot of that going around now. I think, in fact, there's so many churches that are claiming not to be churches that if you actually, like, say you are a church, you're going to be, like, a daring, cutting-edge minority. (laughs) So it's going to swing the other way. You know, because everyone's like, oh, we're not a church. We meet in a warehouse. You know, oh, we're not a church. We meet in a high school. It's like, wow, that's really common these days. (laughs) You know, it's become a cliche. (laughs) Okay, so, So, Lillian, are you ever going to be happy? I mean, I'm a malcontent, but come on, you you know, I I think... um, Yeah. I just worry yeah, about Yeah, you know, you. I don't, I, I mean, in a sense, I don't fit in any camp very neatly. So I did an audio version of Tired of Apologizing, you know, where you're recording the book. And it was a really interesting experience because I had this guy from Brooklyn, New York, who was producing it on the phone, listening to everything, who it turns out was totally unchurched, had never been to church in his life, really. And then I'm recording it in the studio with this guy who's a conservative evangelical Christian. And, you know, you're reading out loud your own words for three days straight, which is sort of an appalling thing to ha- for anyone to have to do, Yes. because you keep wanting to change your mind and say things differently, and you're not allowed to, you yeah. know? So, but I take these breaks, and it was interesting, they both said that I was sort of an equal opportunity offender, that, you know, they were they were both sort of intrigued by what I was saying, but then they would say, ouch, because I will be very critical of the Church myself, or parts of the Church, if you will. Mm. But I also think um, that at some point it's meaningful to dig down in a tradition or or to show up more than once or to, you know, come to a community where you say, I'm not just visiting, like I'm here, you know? And I think that's where the rubber hits the road. So it's it's an interesting world right now. It really is, because in the so-called liberal progressive churches, we're supposed to affirm everything and everyone, which makes it very difficult to make any sort of case for why they should come to our church. Because, you know, to imply that they should come to your church implies that that's better than something else, and that's a, a terribly offensive thing to do in the, in the you know, liberal church word yeah. world. That just becomes absurd after yeah, a while. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lillian Daniel, author of Tired of Apologizing for a Church I Don't Belong to, Spirituality Without Stereotypes, Religion Without Ranting. In this book, Lillian Daniel argues that it's time for Christians to stop apologizing and realize that how we talk about Christian community actually matters. Here's a, a sentence I love about you, because this is perfect. 
With disarming candor laced with just the right amount of humor, Daniel urges open-minded Christians to explore ways to talk about their faith journeys that are reasonable, rigorous, and real. That is you, in a sentence. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's kind of you. Well, it is. I remember when you and I were driving around, I think I was taking to the downtown or something, I can't remember, but I, you scared me a little bit, you know? Why? Well, because you've got a certain amount of testicular fortitude that a lot of people don't have, and you and you're forthright with your and I and I just and you see things you can you see the holes and you can poke and you anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I hope and I hope I see the holes like in myself, right? You know, like that moment where I realized that apologizing for the Salem witch trials, you know, when I was doing it, that was a moment of confession where I thought, wow. I'm really kind of trying to get somebody to give me a prize for, for being a good person when I do that, and that's insincere. So, you know, I try to poke holes in all of it. Yeah. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. I think that in many cases there were two ways of, of sort of talking about your Christian faith to the unchurched. There was the burn and hell speech, you know, which comes more from the conservative Christian side, where you, you really believe that if someone doesn't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, which apparently can only happen in certain churches— they're going to hell. And so you say, look, you know, I, I want to reach out to you. I want to tell you about my faith. Uh, Jesus loves you so much that if you don't believe in him, you're going to hell, burn in hell, right? And for Amen. the Christians that, yeah, well, you're right. And, you know, A, I don't believe that's true, so I can't say it. But B, even if I did believe it's true, I think it's a horrible approach. But the other approach then became nothing. It was like just we would say, whatever floats your boat. And what I'm pushing for is there's a lot of room in between saying burn in hell or whatever floats your boat. And that's that. That's actually the kind of conversation I think you do have on your show, Drew. I mean, not to shock you by saying something nice. Wow. But, wow. Um, wow. but I, I, I think you're in that middle space of talking to people and, and not talking about this triumphalistic, like we're getting you to heaven, we have the one way, but it's all that area in the middle. Because for so long, I think people just said, whatever floats your boat, and they didn't say anything more. Really well said. Really, and I'll take mm. that compliment. Yeah. Thank you. I actually really will take that compliment. Mm. Uh, Lillian Daniel, featured in the New York Times and on PBS, Lillian Daniel's writing is described as biting, hilarious, pitch-perfect, tender, and often stunningly beautiful. Who the heck would say all that? She has taught a, at a number of schools, including Chicago Theological Seminary, the University of Chicago Divinity School, and at her alma mater, Yale Divinity School. Lillian has spoken at the National Cathedral, Duke Chapel, King's College, London, and Queen's College, Ontario. But on Sundays, you can find her preaching. At, is, are you at First Congregational Church in Dubuque, Iowa? Really? I am, right on the Mississippi River. Lillian in the driftless region. The, that's like uh, Donald Trump's hair. It's just low-hanging fruit, right? It that's is. all that joke. It's Which not even funny. Which also refers to part of... Stop know. it. Okay. LillianDaniel.com is the website, and the book is Tired of Apologizing for a Church I Don't Belong to, Spirituality Without Stereotypes, Religion Without Ranting. Quickly before we say goodbye, tell us about the church you do belong to. Oh, I love the church I belong to. And, you know, and it's it's the worst for having me in it, right? I mean... I think the big point we want to make is that our churches aren't clubs of saints. You know, they're schools for sinners. And part of the beauty is that we, we will mess things up sometimes, you know. And so increasingly, I really am tired of all those labels, progressive or this or that type of Christian, all the hyphenated Christians. 
I think flying under the banner of Christian, you know, that's good enough. Let's let's give that a shot. Really well said. Oh, but hey, Drew, yes. can I tell you one more thing? No. This is, yes. <laughs> she did spank you. She <laughs> said she wasn't yeah, going yeah. to. You just spanked spank me right there, alive on air. <laughs> I, think I think your audience would be interested in this. A, a big thing I learned after writing the book about the spiritual but not religious was, of course, I heard from tons of them and all their reasons for why they called themselves that, including many people who go to church who call themselves that, because what they mean by religion is that stereotypical, you know, hardline, judgy Christianity. But here's the thing. I, I came to believe that among the people who check off none as their religious preference, not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E, right, the people who claim no religion, that there were four types of them. They weren't all the same. And there's the no ways, the no longers, the never haves, and the not yet. And I think a lot of the spiritual but not religious people who are, like, angry at the Church um, are in the no way category. Like, they've had some experience and they're done. Or they've drifted. They're in the no longer. But often those people, if they're baby boomers, have children, right, who are raised without Church, and those are the no longers and the never have. I mean, those are the never have and the not yet. And for those people, I think a lot of the ways that we try to talk about our churches, if they are more open-minded, we're constantly comparing our churches to these other churches that that group's parents would have left. But for those never haves and not yet, they have no experience of religion. So, like, they'll ask us about what we do on Sundays, and we'll say, well, we're not like that other church that won't do gay weddings. But, like, what they want to know is, who do you think you're talking to when you pray? Hmm. You know, they don't want to lecture about women's religion, you know, like the role of women in ordination or whatever, you know. They, they're they asking these very basic questions about what worship is, and I think that's one of the reasons that these sort of open-minded churches have been terrible at welcoming people who've never had an experience of church, is we're so stuck in telling people the kind of church we're not that we can't talk about the basics. Yeah, yeah. Tim, what do you always say? They'll know we are Christians by, by our, our shove. By our shove. By what we're against, <laughs> not what we're for. That is brilliant. That well, is brilliant. Actually, exactly. I don't, Tim. Yeah, I don't. Well, please. She, she may say you were nice. It's my turn. I can't believe someone just gave you a compliment. That's the first nice. time in 10 years that someone has complimented Tim. Oh, I'm going to record that. Thank you, Lillian, for great. for being, um, I don't know, you're one of the cheeky ones, and I like you. I, I love your writing. Just, it's so uh, palatable. really is. Well, thank you, Drew. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. And keep talking about that space in between burn and hell and whatever floats your boat. <laughs> nice. I love that again. <laughs> Beautiful. Lillian Daniel on the Drew Marshall Show. Good to chat with you, Lillian. Take care. Take care, friend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.